and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I'm now joined by Vince Harney, Chartered Surveyor, Chartered Accountant and Chartered Tax, uh, tax Advisor. So Vince is CEO of Anna Soren and, with, and has more than 25 years experience in senior finance uh, director roles with development companies uh, worldwide. So Vince, you're very welcome back to the show. We've relied on your expertise before, so we're delighted to have you back. Thank you, Carol. Delighted to be back. Um, Vince, we spoke to you at the start of the year. An awful lot of change, an awful lot has changed since the start of the year. Just before the summer break, there was a run of housing legislation uh, culminating in uh, the housing for all strategy that was announced um, earlier this month. So this is so I, I definitely want to speak to you about many um, aspects of that. But tomorrow, Wednesday, um, you're running a seminar for the uh, Chartered Surveyor Society of Ireland, the SESI, um, about Build to Rent. You might just give us an overview of what that seminar is going to take in. Yes, that's right. Um, well, basically, it's it's capturing uh, everything for people from people who don't know what BTR is about, what it even means, because everybody keeps using BTR, which means Build to Rent. Um, but really to talk about the sector and how it's gaining momentum, popularity, and becoming a mainstream asset class, I would say. So these are the key points we're focusing on. And a, a couple of things, talking about what schemes are happening now, who's doing the deals, what type of deals they are. And, and also importantly, Carol, as you suggested before with all the legislation, how this fits into the context of the housing for all. Um, announcement that's just been made in the last couple of weeks. Okay, and, and that's something actually I wanted to address with you today, but let's roll back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Bill to Rent, you're absolutely right. The acronym is being used almost interchangeably with uh, the private rented sector, and they're, they're right. very different. Um, yeah. So, you know, th- there, there's definitely an issue with language, but there's also an issue with... Um, uh, unhelpful monikers or terms of... of um, you know, terms being used in the media that are not helpful as well. And and that's caused such confusion and not just across consumers, across the industry as well, I've noticed. I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I think it's been highlighted recently. I mean, you, you've probably read the articles in The Independent and The Times where um, you see Sinn Féin object to a BTR scheme on principle rather than understanding what it's about, what it's delivering, what it's meant to be doing. Um, and uh, which clouds the issue because it, it it doesn't understand what the purpose, etc. And and like you said, the anacronym sometimes isn't helpful. They create BTR equals vulture fund equals somebody screwing somebody else, and that's not the case. Yeah. But, uh, uh, on the other side of it, um, objections are certainly not restricted to any one political party. What we've seen that's is true. that this is absolutely a cross-party issue and it's a cross-societal issue. Um, so actually, right. yeah, so in terms of um, Bill to Rent, it's well established outside of Ireland, but it's sure, um, it is a, a fairly new asset class in Ireland. It's a new asset class in Ireland, as it was in the UK a few years ago, because it emanated from the USA, where it was a is known as multifamily, and um, is in the USA. It's popular because it gives people the ability to move from town to town fairly quickly, go wherever the work is, um, giving them the lifestyle that they want as well. And in the UK, the take up was it was probably negligible at 2010, 
But now it's fast becoming the mainstream asset class. Every town centre has probably been rejuvenated by it. And I think the impact has happened in Dublin since about 2017, 2018. A lot of transactions, 2019, 2020, coming out of the COVID pandemic. And now you've just got to look around. Predominantly, I admit, Dublin-based, but equally um, the major cities in Ireland can benefit from the rejuvenation of their city centres into urban lifestyle living. That's a really interesting one because actually um, to to see the experience of this rollout in the UK, we we, we can't even, um, we've nothing to compare that to in Ireland because built rent, uh, we're barely looking at the early schemes in mm-hmm. Cork. To my knowledge, I don't know um, if there are any in, in Galway or Limerick um, due to viability issues. So at the moment, really, all we have to base this on in is Dublin. But do you yeah. see in the long term, as this asset class grows, that we're likely to see this in market towns up and down the country? Very possibly. Um, very possibly. I mean, you've got, you've got the usual problems you have um, with people living away from town centres. It's all about delivering lifestyle as well, Carol, where you've got a, a focal point that brings people together uh, and having people live in sort of in, a, in that close environment is beneficial. You've got the schools, the restaurants, the areas, that whole lifestyle and, and importantly, <laughs> sense of community, you know, and, and rejuvenating the city centres of some of the towns is, is ideal for that. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff. You've you've only got to go to some of the city centres to see there's some existing um, spaces that would lend itself ideally to those multi-family stroke BTR assets. Yeah, it's interesting actually that that's something that gets lost in the conversation around rent, rent to build in Ireland. Whereas actually, if you look at uh, uh, or sorry, built to rent, uh, if you look at that, the amenity is one of the the differentiating factors. You know, you touched yes. on it there, not just about the um, the quality of the offering, which rental in Ireland has not always been known for. Um, it is that fostering a sense of community. Um, so Correct. in terms of Built to rent. If we look at the amenity, what what are the real differentiators here between maybe what um, Irish renters would have been used to in the Irish market? I, I would say the differentiators are your uh, the first one is you're creating a community, right? So the the first point is that they're, they're not soulless concrete blocks in the middle of nowhere that people don't speak to each other. Um, often they will have uh, a lot of green areas, green space. I mean, it's quite interesting, even some of the ones in London, they've created the green space on top of the roofs <laughs> or in certain areas, so uh, slightly different. Um, but they will have things like on-site amenities such as um, restaurants, retail, um, places for people to meet and socialise, which is quite an important facet. Um, and, and also they'll be close to uh, local transport hubs and um, maybe even close to places of work. So pe- people can get that separation but be in a close proximity to where they need to be. Yeah, One of the main criticisms, uh, particularly in Ireland, has been around the uh, the levels of rent charge. So as in this is, a, this yeah. is quite a premium offering. Is there... Yeah. Uh, you're more familiar with, um, say, the service across the UK. 
across the UK now that uh, built rent is more established, are we seeing, um, is there is there a, a scale, a sliding scale where you've got premium providers, but you've more affordable options as well, or is it all premium? I think that's true. Actually, strange enough, probably in the UK, it's more location dependent. So um, you'll, you'll pay real premium dollar for schemes in London, as opposed to, say, Manchester. Well, there's still a premium to be paid because what you're paying for is the lifestyle, I think. So does, you know you know that it's like buying properties as well. You can buy um, a, 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 a normal house for X, but a premium house will cost you more. So there is that level to it. However, there is an equilibrium in the market where the, uh, the rents are fairly... Um, I wouldn't say static, but at least come down to a, a, an equalised uh, level now. So they're not sky high by any means. I think one of the benchmarks as well, also, Carol, which is quite interesting, is that they, uh, they and this is internationally, they will always be higher than anybody's mortgage. Okay, just just has to make that quite clear because th there is um, an inference from certain people that, you know, Buying a house is always cheaper and, and undoubtedly is if you've got the capital to put down in the first place. So uh, is this is this a difference between um, the Irish renting mentality and maybe other jurisdictions? Because, you know, yeah. we haven't had a very diverse rental market in Ireland. And in fact, only in recent days, I was speaking to the developer of a new scheme and they, they described what they're looking to deliver as more of, um, as they refer to it, a European model, whereby yep. actually um, they're looking at longer term leases, yep. so not, not two years. They're looking at five years, but they're also looking at the people who are acquiring or going in to, um, to take up these leases. They actually will be responsible for fully furnishing them. They may even yeah. have input into some of the finishes, which is very unusual. Yeah. I've never heard of that in a rental situation in Ireland. Also, I mean, are Irish tenants ready to um, invest in fully furnishing a brand new home, invest in putting in uh, the white goods um, mm. and things like that on a rental property? We have no uh, experience of that in Ireland. That's true. It's, it's, it's new. Uh, and, and actually, that does emanate. That is very much European attitude. You, you, you look in, it's quite interesting. I haven't got, got it with me, but there's a statistic that shows, say, Germany is, I would say, the, one of the highest rent, rental areas ever. But they all sign up for incredibly long leases. Um, I mean, I, I know in Dresden, for example, a lot of people will invest in a 20-year lease Right, which is phenomenal, you know, instead of buying it because they like the fact that um, the stuff's provided for them, the services are there for them, and they don't mind paying for those services rather than having the, the ownership. But to, that, that medium you're talking about, maybe of the five year with the, the white goods and thing, it's a mindset issue. I think that a, a lot of it, a lot of the young um, people nowadays buy into that. There's it's not the same as maybe people of my generation where it's very much ownership-led rather than anything else. Um, and you've got to own assets and you, this, that and the other. I think people are a little bit more circumspect nowadays. Yeah, buy, 
Uh, the only thing is, I remember, you know, maybe a decade ago when we looked into different home ownership levels um, mm. and, you know, Germany was one country that came up as, um, you know, being very low home ownership rates. However, right. um, they would have had um, people getting involved in more diverse investments um, at a much yeah. earlier stage. So you have sure. people in their 20s investing in stocks and shares and other asset classes. Yeah. So they were never dependent. In Ireland, we've had this mentality that you pay into your mortgage and that essentially is your retirement. Um, and that's something where we can see that there's definitely going to be an issue with long-term rental because these changes have happened before the people were prepared for them. So they're not financially prepared. So people who are still renting yeah. in their 40s and 50s are not financially prepared what's going to happen when they stop create or when they stop generating an income. That, that that's right, Carol. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. But I, I don't. Th I think that's a transitionary type. Um, um, how do I say it? arrangement? Because certainly the demographics. If you look how people have shifted, I mean, um, home ownership. I would say was probably fairly common in the twenties. Um, in you know, say. 10, 15 years ago. Now that's been pushed out to 35 because people cannot afford mm. the capital input. So there's that side as well. And I echo what you're saying. But you've still got this um, attitude that the investment in real estate is more important than the investment in equities, stocks, and any diversified portfolio because people predominantly regard those as being quite risky. Um, equities are quite high risk. Um, they can be brilliant one minute and bomb the next. So uh, there's a stability to own, owning your own home. And, and people actually, I would say, are looking to have second homes or that's the sort of real estate investments they're looking at. Well, notwithstanding that we're at an early stage of built to rent in Ireland, what role do you see this particular sector playing in the overall housing market going forward? I think it's an intrinsic and massively important uh, aspect. I was just looking at that housing for all brochure this morning, actually, and the commitment to get to 300 houses by 2030, which I think is quite a tall commitment, by the way. Um, 170,000 of those are private-led uh, units. And I think the um, at least 50% of those will be uh, built to rent provided, which probably just goes to show you just how much is required of the built and end sector. Okay, um, that's that's I, interesting one because I was just looking and the most up-to-date figures I could see for the UK was that uh, built to rent, is it hovering somewhere between 8 and 12% of the overall housing delivery? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And I, th I was looking at statistics there. God, this is sad, isn't it? I was looking at statistics there. It was around the 200,000 units mark that they've 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 done to date um so that's that's quite impressive statistic if you see where it's come from and that's in a, a relatively short period of time okay um, okay and um, vince you mentioned the housing for all and you know you're absolutely right i think it's the figure three hundred and twelve thousand by 2030 you know i yes. have spoken to anybody public or private sector who has any concept of how delivery is going to be ramped up like that. Obviously, it's one of those things that we hope they're right, but it's very difficult to see a pathway to achieving that, particularly at the moment. Um, but, you know, housing for all, 
um, there's a lot in that. I, I think 213 action points. And I always believe yeah. you're really serious about something. I, I think I would have had more confidence in it if they came forward with three actions. That could really yeah, I, I think 213, that scares me. There's a, and there's a lot of profet- you're, you're absolutely right. There's a massive uh, um, pressure to deliver on everything. Uh, and when you spread in the the amount like that, it, it's it, something is bound to fail because there's a lot of things that need to happen in the first place before that can even be tackled properly. So, I mean, one of the big things is the private and public partnerships um, need to be firmly established so that things can just be moved on at a fast pace. Um, and one of my worries as well is, Carol, is, is about delivery. We're now in September 21. And we're talking about doing 300 by December 30. I think we've lost another year in a way because <laughs> things are not going to move out particularly fast. So we're talking over nine years. So, so particularly when we see the planning, uh, yeah, and they're down, and planning commencements are down. Yeah, and 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 this is it as well. Um, one of the things that it was talking about was overall of or, or um, we, how do we say it? Changing the um, attitude to planning uh, and moving that forward that is going to take some time Carol um, it's not a quick fix tomorrow morning job and it means that uh, the planning process is going to be have to adhere to I would think for the next two to three years before we get to any um, smooth uh, established process to speed things up yeah, so, planning, planning is such a you know it almost seems like um the beast that nobody can manage you know everybody knows it needs to be tackled and to be fair during covid some advancements have been made kind of mm-hmm. towards digitizing which has been on the agenda for quite some yeah. time um but you know we're referring to housing for all but actually before that and before the summer recess um there were uh, i think seven bills pushed forward in the last couple of weeks of the doll sitting and about five of those related to uh, construction property housing um thereabouts including, um, you know, the the phasing out of the strategic uh, developments. How yeah. do you think that's going to impact on built rent? Is it going to be positive or negative? Uh, I, I personally, I, I think it's going to have to be positive. It, it Initially, you would think it would be negative because they're getting rid of a very structured type of zoning. But... Equally, we've got to move forward with the new type of zonings that they're producing. Um, and they've got to promote what they want to promote, which is housing. Um, so I, I think it could be neutral in some ways. Um, that the, the process just needs to be shifted on. Um, I think it is difficult, uh, Carol, to comment with any great detail until we start some of the tangibility of what they're suggesting. Yeah. Um, and, well, you know, one of the big things around um, the strategic housing developments when we speak to developers who are actually trying to push these through is that, you know, in theory, if the, if the timelines were honoured, then then that would be one thing. But actually, it's the um, the delays and the impact of judicial reviews, you know, yeah. even those judicial reviews, um, you know, even if they go through and, and the development can proceed um, so th- they're not completely derailed by the judicial review, they're at least uh, they're at least delayed. But more importantly now, because we know in the first six months of this year, 48% of all, um, all 
uh, housing applications were subject to um, they were subject to judicial review. So actually, forty eight percent in the first six months of this year. What developers are, are now doing is they're not taking action for a period of two months, so they can wait and see are they likely to be um, subject to a judicial review. So yeah. in one way, it's a self imposed delay, but it's also a very reasonable um, approach. To I, I think two months is absolutely reasonable, Carol. But, you know, I, I, I think. They're absolutely right to do it as well. Um, and to be honest with you, the, the government needs to actually um, follow through with their proposals with action to do, deal with this backlog already because it's creating um, a noose around its own neck if it's not careful. Yeah, but once we're accepting those levels of delays, then the SHD process isn't working as it, well. Yeah, that's that's right. If, if it's going back into the local authorities, which of course it is, you know, there are improvements that can be made to to um, to streamline that, and and we hope that all parties will be on board with that. But we're st- we still have the community element, the, um, where people need to have more of a say in the development yeah. so that they're not derailing them for reasonably small or relatively small issues. Um, in fact, The Telegraph in the UK yesterday just published um, an exploratory piece talking about nimbyism and how to tackle it. And one of the one of the proposals there is that um, people within a community, residents within a community, whether they're renting or they own their own home, will be given an opportunity to vote on new developments coming in. And when I first read it, I was thinking, well, that's terrible. They're all going to vote no. But actually, as I thought about it, this could be really this could be really strong and really powerful because what we've seen through the judicial reviews is that it's always the the loud minority um, that are shouting. It's a handful of people derailing projects. The majority of people even if they're comfortable in their own home, their family aren't, their adult kids yeah. aren't, their grandkids aren't, and there's no prospect for them um, to be. So, you know, are we, have we done the community or the public a disservice by not trusting them with more information so that they can get on board with these types of developments? So, you know, for example, built rent, you've talked there about um, the importance of community. It's one of the key amenities everything through built to rent is being done to foster this sense of community but it's not just within the tenants moving into that building it's yeah. because they're moving in as long-term tenants so you yeah, know we'll longer, yeah. they yeah. will have more of a role in the local community correct absolutely is that being done well in other places absolutely yeah um my my hometown of manchester that you should see it honestly I remember growing up there and there was in the city centre was no sense of community. Really? Now it's seriously, yeah. It was it was a go to work, come out. Now it's people are living in there and and, and it, it does really have that sense of vibrancy and community in there. And other places, Leeds, London, they've all got that. You know, London's got villages now inside the city centre. It might sound stupid, but it does. There's local communities in there and, and they're very defined and I, I think that's what people like more than anything else is that sense of community and belonging. Do you think the longer term leases will pr- help promote this so for example people yes. uh, people who are mm-hmm. living in their own communities whether it's um, in towns villages cities if they see a built rent development coming in but they know the leases are longer than two years possibly three years four years mm-hmm. and years 
do you think that will change the perception and they will see that actually these are people who are going to come in, start families, have their children attend the local schools, they're going to frequent the local businesses? I, I agree, Carol, absolutely. It, it's all about stability uh, on both sides, actually. It's stability for the tenant, for the community and for the investor as well, isn't it? So it, it works well always around, I think. And you're absolutely right. That that, that sense of community, if, you, if you're living in it and part of it, um, uh, with a with that um, long term commitment is absolutely the way forward. And um, Vince, at the start of the interview, we mentioned there that you're going to be hosting um, a seminar for the SASI tomorrow morning, Wednesday at um, eleven a.m. Do you know? Is, are you going to be speaking to an industry audience? It's a mixture, actually, Carol. I do know that um, there are all the usual players in there. There's there's people from Greystar, Heinz. Hope McDonald, the um, PRS agent, as I call them, um, and m- many other there. But there's equally, there's a lot of people that are just signed up out of interest to know a little bit more about BTR. Okay, and, and obviously that's a positive thing because, yes, we want to educate the industry, but actually there needs to be a wider education. I don't suppose there's any journalists signed up for that. We could do with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure Paul McNeve will be there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he crosses, but you know he, he straddles both sides um no but look yeah. in, in all seriousness this is a really important thing that we need to get the messaging right um but also we need to get the delivery right but the reality is the community can't be left behind because they're and, they're the people who have derailed it in the past and i, I don't say that in a, in a blaming way i say yeah. it actually i think like all communications the duty was on the developer to communicate how their development and the people who were going to live in it was going to enhance the community. And if they failed to do that, you know, that was leading to judicial review. So I I don't, when I, when I talk about the community like that, I'm certainly not blaming them. I think there's an education process that needs to happen. And a lot of that has to come from the developer. However, um, it can't, you know, we can't have this them or us, Uh, polarizing all the different solution providers in the marketplace, which is happening at the moment. One of the positive things about Housing for All, I hope, is that it shows that we need all the solution providers um, and there's a a place for each of them. We don't need to be pitting one against the other. Yes, I I agree absolutely, Carol. I mean, one of the things that I find a bit disturbing is that people think BTR is the old concrete jungle and um it's it's not it's certainly not uh, it's part of the solution i don't think it's the solution it's part of the solution to improve housing for everybody and and to create that sense of community i think yeah look uh, it will be interesting to see obviously we want to get built to rent um growing in ireland but but on the right track in a way that it genuinely is a solution provider and it, yeah. it's integrating communities well um because it's something that we failed at in the past across all place making whether it's public or private housing um so but the only thing is there's an opportunity now to get this right but it will require people rowing together and that includes uh public private rental and ownership you know what what's the main takeaway that you want people on the seminar tomorrow to 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 leave with i I want them to leave with the fact that this this is a mainstream asset class and that it what it is is part of the overall solution for the housing crisis that we're under and to understand that far from being an antagonistic approach is is to create a sense of community that used to reside with inside urban centers 
uh, and um, to recreate that. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. That was Vince Harney, CEO of Anasorin. We'll be back after a quick break. 93.9 Dublin South FM. Hello and welcome to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM. You can contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, or on LinkedIn at iProperty Radio or indeed email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is Brian Fox and myself, Carol Tallon. And Brian, you're very welcome. As people will be able to see, you are actually in the studio, whereas I am still hiding out. So how how have things been? It's been a long time since we've had your presence on the show. Well, it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously with the, uh, the, the pandemic, it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a, a fairly uh, strange sort of time for for everybody, and including the, the business that we're talking about, property as well. So uh, it'll be good to get to, get get back into studio again, and guess get get to be able to discuss whatever is coming up in in use in relation to property and and politically and uh, community wise as well. So yeah, um, absolutely, you know, it has been it has been very strange from that point of view, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it, and actually, even seeing you is strange because obviously we've been talking on the phone, but I haven't been into the studio in. 15, 16 months. Um, yeah. I know you're back in the studio there and we're talking about when to bring the show back in and guests. You know, again, we know from uh, the local businesses and uh, property managers, people are officially making their way back into the office this month, but everybody I've spoken to, they're doing it in a very tentative way. So actually a lot of the, the teams that I'm speaking with, they're only going back one day a week or they're not going back regularly until January. So yeah. this mass return to the office, I'm not sure if it's happening the way people are talking about it. You're actually venturing in and out to the studio in Dundrum Town Centre. What's activity like on the roads? Oh, very busy, very busy, very very busy indeed. Um, but uh, you know, we, we we've had problems here trying to make problems as well and trying to keep problems uh, going as well. Because well, from my point of view, we like to have people um, in studio as opposed to on phones. But it, it's an interesting era. I mean, getting away from well, talking about technology, um, the advances that various other uh, broadcasters are trying to make in terms of technology as well to try and improve sound and vision as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. And look, the technology supporting this has improved. But one of the things that I've really loved was actually being able to access people from anywhere in the world as opposed to yeah. needing them to be in studio. So I am. I, I wonder, will there be some manner of hybrid iProperty radio? I think there might have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, consider, too, that, you know, the property business has gone through some some. Uh, well, shall we call them changes, because way back in January, there was no viewing allowed. Yeah. Oh, and actually, the, the new technologies that estate agents have been embracing, we're going to really focus on those now over the coming months because actually, uh, you know, iProperty Radio, we're almost three years on air now. If you can believe it, it'll be three years this Christmas. Um, and over that time, we featured prop tech and technology heavily. Yeah. And there yeah. was definitely a case of, you know, maybe having to give a little push, you know, to get yeah. the industry on board. You know, definitely the industry was a little slower than we might have liked. Yeah. Whereas yeah. all that has changed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and as well as that, property has become, uh, domestic residential property has become a political hot, uh, hot potato now because of the uh, problems that we experienced during the, uh, the, the shutdown as well. And now you've got uh, Fianna Fáil coming out with a housing for all document, which, 
you know, some people are pleased with, others aren't. Some people say it's, uh, Fianna Fáil trying to throw money at it, at the whole property business, in order for, for them to um, be seen to be active for the general election. And then you've got Sinn Féin, as you know, with uh, Ono Brin writing numbers of books on, on, on property as well. So we're going into some exciting times uh, in terms of property as well now in the programme as well going forward, you know. You know, Brian, I've missed your political savvy on the show because I'm not sure if people are aware, but uh, you actually have the Friday Forum show there on Dublin South FM uh, and politics is your main topic that you cover. And of course, housing is so political at the moment and not just with the housing for all. I mean, before the summer recess, we were speaking to uh, Senator John Cummins, you know, and he was talking to us about seven bills that were passed quite quickly um, in the lead up to the to the recess. And I think about five of those related to housing. There's so much reform underway that you'd almost wonder what's the priority and where to start. But one of the big ones um, that is going to make a big difference, and we have touched on it on the show here before, uh, SHDs, the Strategic Housing yeah, Development. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategic Housing Development. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, going that's going to be an extra interesting one as well, because as you're well aware, and I'm sure listeners are aware as well, the uh, power of 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 development, uh, if if you want to put it like that way, has been taken out of the hands of of, of councillors, and in the hands of on board Planola. And there's a lot of um, pro- there are many problems with that in terms of how councillors and local authorities are reacting to that. And as you, as we, as we know too, they're, they're going to go. There, many of the projects under uh, discussion are going for judicial review as well. Yeah, and that's, that's been a huge problem. A huge problem. A huge yeah. problem. So that that will be an ongoing um, uh, story as well as as we as we as we proceed as well. So there's a lot going on, um, Carol. You know, um, there is alone, particularly speaking alone. You know? Yeah, well, no, there's a, there's a lot of change. Um, unfortunately, I think there's probably. Too much political influence in in housing at the moment. However, I am hopeful that when the new housing commission launches, that will be chaired by John O'Connor, who was just retired from the housing agency. I'm I'm genuinely positive that uh, I, I'm I'm optimistic about it uh, because I think that it can be a non political voice um, right. amongst the chaos at the moment. Um, right. Right. Yeah, as will as will it be interesting to how uh, what the reaction is like to the new land development agency as well because yeah. uh, they're they're only kicking off at the moment as well and they've got a new um, CEO as well yeah and look the, the a new CEO but more importantly has massive um massive resources and big ambition you know the, these yeah. are big big targets i don't think we've ever had an agency so well resourced um and so ambitiously tasked you know, to be honest, I think the big challenge challenge will be how long will the agency have to prove itself before it becomes a political target. Oh, I'd, I'd imagine to be under a lot of pressure to 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 achieve goals, and 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 you know, its its budget now has been has been dramatically improved as well. So it'll be ma- under major pressure to uh, develop the the lands they're given, and 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 um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they will. Um, relate to the, the the local authorities as well because I think it was one of the ministers there doing the, the various think-ins isn't it uh, have have told local authorities to um, step up in terms of um, development as well housing development as well so it will be very interesting yeah yes they they will need to step up but they're going to need to be a little more flexible and think more um, in terms of diverse housing solutions yeah it can't yeah. it can't be this pitting the public sector against the private sector we know now that doesn't work. Um, yeah. And all it does is create a stalemate. So, yeah. I, you know, the, the community 
is going to be given the local community, the public are going to be given a greater voice and yeah. both themselves and through their local councillors. We want to make sure that that's used wisely. Yeah. And we, of course, will have to keep an eye, too, on, on Dublin City Council in terms of so many of their housing projects being blocked as well over yeah. the past number of months. You know, and these are just some of the things we're going to be touching on when we kick off um, the new season. So, uh, Brian, from my point of view, welcome back, because I'm so delighted to, to have you back. We missed that back. political voice. Good to be back. Well, not at all. No, it's good, good to be back as well, Carol, with you. Very good. Well, to look, as discussed, we have a busy season ahead. Um, and after the break now, we're going to get stuck into some of the issues plaguing built rent in Ireland with Vince Harney of Anasoran. So for now, we need to take a quick break. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon and Brian Fox. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So as regular listeners of the show here over the last um, number of years will be familiar, normally at this stage in the show, we talk about prop tech activity. And um, after our break for the summer, it's been interesting and heartening to see what kind of activity there's been in prop tech. And indeed, looking back over the last 15 months and 18 months of the pandemic. So um, firstly, looking back over the last 18 months, PropTech globally, it has been an absolutely buoyant 18 months. Um, that's globally, not just in Ireland and the UK. Uh, there's been a massive reported increase in M&A activity, which is interesting. There's been a consolidation, which means we have lost some of our providers that didn't survive. Um, but again, usually what happens in the startup scene is when these companies don't survive, not all the innovation is lost. It generally transitions or pivots into um, a new offering, one that perhaps has a better market fit. Uh, there's also been a massive hike in angel and VC funding and a few Irish success stories coming to the fore, which has been great to see. Now, globally, um, it has been reported, and again, it's the experience of Irish agents that we've spoken to as well. There's been a massive increase in prop tech adoption. So we know that over the course of the pandemic um, and the restrictions that were in place, there's been a much greater consumer reliance on technology to find access, uh, value, finance, purchase, convey, and even furnish their new homes and investment properties. And that's fantastic because this is what we've been working towards and trying to encourage for the last five or six years. Um, in relation to uh, how agents are faring, um, the estate agents we've spoken to around the country, you know, we've seen that most agencies now are offering VR tours, um, whereas before that might have only been for uh, special properties or high value properties. Now, almost all properties are coming with a, a virtual tour. Um, we are seeing, again, property videos on social media. They're, they've become much more prevalent that almost every property now has a video attached to it. And But more importantly, from the estate agency side, the people we've spoken to, it's been interesting to see, um, I'm going to say a greater uh, reliance on existing CRM, but I would say it's more a case of actually an acknowledgement of the capacity that the CRM systems have, but maybe weren't being fully utilised up till now. So that's been one interesting transition. Another one we're seeing is that there's a slew of new estate agency websites, um, and these are directly responding to how consumers have changed how they interact with agents over the past 18 months. Um, and with the, these new um, websites, we're seeing a couple of key trends emerging. But critically, the most important one is 
that uh, we don't have the same reliance on the look or aesthetic of the website. And there seems to be a much better understanding that actually all of the power is in the search engine optimization, the SEO. And this is being enhanced. More importantly, it's being resourced. So for any for any estate agency around the country that's looking for ways to make improvements and tangible improvements, particularly with the shortage of, of secondhand sellers coming into the market at the moment, I would suggest the single most powerful thing you can do is actually um, an SEO audit of your website and um, really pay attention to the stats that are in the property portal websites, you know, so you can compare yourself with your your uh, peers in the industry and in your local area, find out what they're doing well um, and, and really see because what we've seen is that the standard has changed over the last 18 months. So even if you were top of your game 18 months ago, you're unlikely to be top, top of your game now if your agency didn't respond. And that's not necessarily through technology. That might be through other forms of innovation or changing your service offering. But if you didn't change over the last 18 months, then you will more than likely have found your position within your local, um, the local estate agency there will have changed. So really what I want to do today as we kick off our newest season in Property Matters um. Well, really, it's a call out to not just estate agents, but also to innovator, uh, to innovators of tech driven solutions for the planning, construction or property management sectors. You know, whether it's around smart building technology and IoT solutions or whether it's tech improving the ESG or the environmental, social and, and governance performance of a building or a portfolio. We want to make sure that we showcase the very best of that. While we will continue to showcase and bring you the, the most innovative global construction, real estate and smart city solutions, through PropTech Ireland, we are on a mission to promote homegrown innovation. You know, the reality is we have some really smart people doing some really smart things. So I'm urging the industry, as I did in our first episode almost three years ago, to be open to innovation, to support startups who need access to market information and testing environments. The knock-on benefits are huge. So if anybody's interested in that, I really do encourage you um, to to talk to the team at PropTech Ireland and to be open to innovation when it's pitched to you. So that's it from us this week. Thank you for listening in to Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Also, my thanks to Peter Rice on Sound. We're back at the same time next week from Brian Fox and myself, Carol Tallon. Stay safe.